So we're in Romans chapter 12 today, and we are studying uh, this series we're calling CrossFit, getting us all in good shape, not the physical kind, but the spiritual kind, where we are sharing our faith and we are making disciples who will make uh, even more disciples. And so we are at the acrostic F, okay? C-R-O-S-S, fit, and F is finding your place, finding out where you fit in into God's church. You know, there are two types of churches. Basically, there is the C, the big C church, okay? And that's all of God's people all over this planet Earth. And then there are the little C churches, of the which we at Great Hills are one of those. We're part, yes, of the big C church, but we're also the little C church that meets at 10,500 Jollyville. We gather together for the purposes of worship, and for preaching and praising God. We gather together for discipleship. We gather together for fellowship and ministry and service. And you know, this is a time where we get together as the body of Christ. We set this time aside and we come in and we are energized. Hopefully our, our spiritual batteries are charged up. We're gathered so that God might scatter us to be the people that he's called us to be. And I just want to go on record to say, if you are here today, and that would be you, okay, you're sitting in this room, God's got you. God's got you where he wants you to be, and he wants you to feel at home, and he wants you to worship him. He wants you to be blessed today so that you can go and be a blessing. Today's message, it concerns ecclesiology and pneumatology. Ecclesiology is the study of the ecclesia, the church. I love to preach messages like this because we get to focus on who we are as this breathing, life-breathing, giving organism, the church of Jesus Christ. Pneumatology deals with the study of the pneuma. And the pneuma in Greek is spirit, and in this context, it's the Holy Spirit. And beginning a week from today, uh, that Sunday night, we're going to be gathered together as Southern Baptist all over Texas, and we're going to be focusing and accentuating this pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit, all the pastors, all the preachers from all over our great state. And there'll be, I guess, I don't know, a dozen sermons preached, and all of those sermons are going to be focused on the Holy Spirit. Now, some of my charismatic brothers, they're kind of laughing at me. They're like, y'all don't even know the Holy Spirit. I say, yes, we do. We know exactly who He is, and, and we're going to have a great time worshiping the Lord and preaching about the Spirit of the living God. I, I am so excited, church family. More about that in a moment toward the end of my sermon. I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit crazy, all right? Are y'all up for some crazy today? I, I really, it is. I, I'm, I'm seriously going to ask you to do something that's a little bizarre. I've never asked any church I've ever served, nor any place I've ever preached to do what I'm going to ask you to do at the end of the service. So it's going to, it's going to involve faith and it's going to involve a little bit of money, and it's going to be, it's going to be fun, all right? Y'all may just go ahead and tell you what it is. I'm not. I'm going to wait till the end of the sermon, all right? It's in my notes. I know I'm going to share it. I do love the big church, and I especially love this church, and I love what God is doing uh, in our church. Just a couple of weeks ago, 25 nations were meeting on our campus. In fact, they meet about three times a week through our LifeBridge. English is a second language, and many of you are using your spiritual gifts of service and ministry and teaching and exhortation. And, and 25 nations of the world are here. Even as I preach, there's a large group, an Ethiopian group, about 70 to 100, who are worshiping the Lord on our campus. On Monday nights, 
Many of our Indian brethren, international brethren, are gathering together for, for worship. So I see God just using us as a radiant church to be built up and to be blessed here so that we could go out and just expend ourselves and be a blessing to others. I got a, an interesting note this week Terry and I did from a, a, a mutual friend. He says, I'm a serviceman and I'm in Kuwait and every Sunday I'm watching y'all live stream in Kuwait. So God bless you, brother, as you're watching us there. And God bless you for what you do. I'm so grateful to God for what He's doing in our church. So here, here we are in Romans chapter 12. And the reason I chose this text is because I, I believe it really teaches us and helps all of us to find our place, to find out what our gifts are, and then to use those gifts for the church. The Apostle Paul, before he delineates what those gifts are, he prefaces it all with a word about attitude, okay? He wants us all to have a, a humble, contrite, a Christ-like, poor-in-spirit kind of attitude so that we can receive the gifts that God wants us to have. And then he gives us some explanation as to what those gifts are. And he calls us to action. I, I love those verses here we're going to read in a moment that the Holy Spirit is just inspiring Paul to write to say, tell the church that he who prophesies, man, let him prophesy. He who exhorts, let him exhort. He who gives, let him give. And so he, he says, now have a good attitude, have a spirit of humility, and then use those gifts. And then finally in this passage, he's going to give us some words of, of advice. There's like 13 ethical injunctions, 10 participles, and they all serve as imperatives toward the end. There's just a lot in this text. It's so rich, and I'm so grateful to God. Now, here we are on Great Hills on the eve of this election, and people a little bit concerned or a lot concerned, and some are really worried. And, but, you know, I'm just so glad, so grateful to God that we get to come and worship Him. We get to open up His sacred book. We read the book. We teach the book. We go out and live the book. Just leave the rest to God. And you do need to vote, by the way, all right? You, you do need to get out and vote as well. All right, y'all ready for the text? Amen. Me too. So just tell us, I'm not, I'm waiting till the end. For I say to you through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think sophrian, the Greek word, to, to think soberly. The, the word means to be in your right mind, okay, with humility, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts, differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. I love that. Let's use these gifts. If prophecy, then prophesy in proportion to our faith. Ministry, diakonia is the word there. To serve, then let us use it in our ministry and in our diaconia. He who teaches, then teach. He who exhorts, parakaleo. He who calls others out, calls them to come alongside, then do your exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with spudo, the Greek word. I think it's probably where we get the English word speed, with spudo, with, with diligence. Lead with diligence, with alacrity and eagerness. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And then here are these ethical injunctions, these 
participial imperatives, if you will. There are a bunch of them, like 13 of them, but watch in verses 9 through 13 as we read these. Let love, let agape be without hypocrisy. Abhor, avoid what is evil and cling. Cling, kalao is a Greek word. It means to literally to be glued, glued together. Cling on to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, give preference to one another. Not lagging in your diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. I like that. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. Are you all with me? Patient in tribulation. Not freaking out in tribulation, not, not worried, not concerned, but patient in our tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. And then the last one Paul gives us. He says, distribute to the needs of the saints, the hagios, given to hospitality, to the xenos, that would be to the strangers. And so today we're going to walk through this passage of Scripture as we find our place, as we are making disciples who make more disciples, as we're casting broad the net and saying, you are a part, if you're a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, and you're a part of His local church, then you have been given gifts. And you are at your greatest. And you are at your most fulfilled when you know what that gift is, and you, are, you have humility, and you're using that gift for the betterment and for the blessing of the body of Christ. By the way, God never gives us spiritual gifts so that we can use them upon ourselves. He always uses them with a conduit mentality that God gives us those gifts, and we take them, we say, thank you, Lord, for them, and we hone them. I think we ought to, you know, expand them and, and work on them, be disciplined, and then just give them away to the body of Christ so that we all come together in unity. We're all serving the Lord like He wants us to. So let, let's look at verses uh, 3 and 4 especially. As he, he gives us this attitude. He said, let your attitude, let your mind be with this in mind. He does not think of himself more highly, verse 3, than he ought to think, but to think with sobriety, to think soberly. And as I mentioned a moment ago, it means to have a sound mind. You know, when a Christian is acting in pride, he's lost his mind. When, when, a, when a Christian lady is acting in arrogance, she's lost her mind. The pride is the virus that infects the body of Christ and causes great malady and great illness. And so before Paul gets into the spiritual gift specifically, he says, listen, 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 guys. Church at Rome, church at Corinth, church at Ephesus, and church in Austin, and wherever the church may be, before you really get into understanding the spiritual gifts, make sure that you have that spirit of humility, that poor in spirit attitudes in light of what Jesus did, and in light of who Jesus is, how could any of us act or parade around uh, with arrogance? One writer says, when the individual believers in a church know their gifts and accept those gifts by faith and use them for God's glory, I'm telling you, this writer says, God will bless in wonderful ways. And then Paul says, let us use these gifts as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. He has given to everybody. A measure of faith, Paul says. He has given us spiritual gifts. I like what John MacArthur says at this point. He says, quote, every believer, not some, every single solitary believer in Jesus receives the exact gift and the exact resources best suited 
to fulfill his role in the body of Christ. Everybody in the church, some of y'all looking at me like, gifts? What you talking about, Willis? What you talking about, brother? I don't have no gifts. I, I've not been gifted by God to do anything unique or special. Yes, you have. You just may not understand it. You may not know yet that God, when he saved you, the Holy Spirit of God came within you, and God, oh, what is this? God brought gifts with him when he landed in your heart. And he's given you gifts to serve and to bless the body of Christ. And in verses 4 and 5, he gives us this great analogy of the, of the body of Christ. And he says, you know, and he does a great job of this also in Romans, I mean in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. And by the way, I'm supposed to say this later, but let me go ahead and say it now. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4 are the listing of the spiritual gifts. Now, they're not all exhausted. I don't think all the gifts of the Spirit are listed in those passages. I think there are macro gifts, and under some of these macro gifts would be some minor gifts, but it, it, it's, it behooves you. It's incumbent upon you to know those gifts so that you could use them and be blessed and be a blessing to the body of Christ. So here, here's this analogy. I love this analogy. What an ingenious analogy. If you look at me for just a moment, this is, this is a body. This is a human body with hands and feet and eyes and ears and nose. And I'm, I'm a human body. And, and again, Paul does this in 1 Corinthians 12. He's like, now this hand is a part of this unit, this entity. And this hand could never say, well, eyeball, I'm just tired of you looking at everything that passes by. And eyeball, I, by the way, I wish I was an eyeball. i tell you what I'll do. I'll just depart and I'll just leave you eyeball, ears and nose. Y'all just have it to yourself. And I'm just going to go my merry way. It, it doesn't work like that, does it? We're together we, with our feet our hands, our ears, our eyes, and our, we, we all have different functions. All of these bodily parts God has given me is to be used for the wholeness of the whole. And that's what Paul's saying for the church. All of us have these, some of you are eyes. Some of you are seen a lot. And some of you may be little toes, and you're not seen a lot. You ever tried to walk without a toe, brother? That ain't fun. You ever try to break a toe and walk? It's not fun. And so when one member of the body hurts, we all hurt. And Paul says in, five, in four, he says, we are many members, but we just one entity. And, and when many members do not have the same function, that's true. But with many, one body in Christ, individually members of it. Another writer says, the point he's making is, each member functions to serve the body not the body to serve uh, the members. I like that. And everybody is important. L let me give you an analogy. It's kind of comical, or an illustration. And by the way, I like to laugh at myself. I don't know if y'all noticed that yet. I, I think, pastors, we take ourselves way too seriously. And, and I like self-deprecating humor. I just, I just like to laugh at myself because it helps me not take myself too seriously. So, you know, I'm in, in somehow, some way in the, in the distant future, I do want to do these Ironman triathlons. I, I do. I, I just let it be known. I first got to do a half before I could ever do a full. And so I got this wild idea the other day. I said, well, in order to do a full marathon, an Ironman marathon, you've got to swim two and a half miles. So I'm going to go swim two and a half miles. I did. <laughs> I put my bathing suit on. It's not a pretty sight, but I put it on. And I jump into the pool, and I swim for two hours, 154 laps, 2.4 miles, and I never stop. My feet never touch the bottom. But let me tell you what happened. 
at lap 1.30, my, my legs went bonkers on me. They started cramping. Have you ever tried to swim when your calves are cramping? It's awful. And so I, I thought to myself, I've come 130 laps. I am not stopping. I don't, I'm, I mean, I just have to crawl up to the, the ledge there. I said, I'm not stopping. So I said, upper body, you just got to kick it in. And so what I did, I just let my lower body just hang limp, swimming. I looked, I looked pathetic. I, I'm sure I did. But I was just clawing at that water. And, and after a while, my legs rested up and I was able to, to use the whole body. And I thought, Lord, there are some in my church that they're like my legs. They're just out. They're, they're wounded. They're, they're tired. And, and they need the rest of us to come around and, and to carry not only our weight, but to carry their weight so that they can get back to health and so they can join us. Listen, there will come a time in a church, if you're a member of this church or any church, there will come a time when you're going to be wounded or you're going to be tired, your feelings are going to get hurt, you're going to be disappointed, you're going to be, just somebody's going to be outright disgusted and you're, you're just going to be limp. But praise God, you're still a part of the body and the rest of the body does say, well, we'll just cut you off. <laughs> we'll just cut your legs off, just, just kind of float out there. But no, the rest of the body comes to you and helps you and helps you make the journey. That's what Paul's saying. We're one entity, one body, and we all need each other. Okay, so that's the attitude. Have this spirit about us, this humility, and the spirit of togetherness and the spirit of help, okay? Now, he goes into verses 6 through 8 about the actions, and I love this part. Have then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us. In other words, God in His sovereign mind has given you the gift that, or gifts that He wants you to have, Okay, in verse 6, and then he begins to say, and then if it is prophecy, then prophesy. And so 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, the Holy Spirit distributes the gifts as he wills. Okay? And so all of us have gifts, multiple gifts, I believe, that we are to use for the big church, see, yes, but also and especially for the little church, little see. Um. And it's just so cool the way God does things. God is so organized. God does not make mistakes. And if God went through all that He went through to move you to the city of Austin and to put you in a particular body of Christ in a church, then God, He has you in the boat, all right? He has you in the boat, and He has you in the exact seat that He wants you in the boat, and He wants you rowing, and He wants you using all of your gifts so that you can help the church glide across the water. Some of those waters are going to be turbulent, but you just hang in there and you row. Listen, I've been reading this book. I've learned more about rowing than I... I didn't know it was the, it was the oldest intercollegiate sport in our, in our nation, especially the East Coast uh, schools. They started out, and they all had rowing teams, and it just caught on fire on the West Coast. And, and so this book I'm reading called The Boys in the Boat... <laughs> It's talking about the 1936 Olympic Games in Berlin, Germany. Adolf Hitler is in control. People are boycotting, saying we do not need to go over there. Others are like, no, we do need to go. Our boys and girls, they've trained and let them go. And so this book is about the University of Washington, the Huskies. And they have this, this boat, this rowing boat, and there's nine people in the boat. And I'm reading, I'm just fascinated about the science and the physics of rowing. And there is a picture in this book 
of the 1936 University of Washington rowing team, and they all have their shorts on, they have no shirt on, they have their shorts on, and they have their, their big paddles, eight feet, I mean big tall paddles. Those guys are massive. Every one of them is over six feet tall, and there's one of them, I think they call him Stubby or something like that, he's like six eight. He's a, like a giant, 1936, this is the team. If you've read the book, please don't tell me how it turns out, but I think I know how it's going to turn out. I think that is the team that's going to win the national races, and they're going to go to the Olympics, and I think they're actually going to win the gold. But anyhow, there those guys are, and their seat assignments, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and all of them, the coach puts them, their body type, their length, their strength, and they are meticulously placed within that boat, and then there's the picture of Bobby Mock. Five foot seven, 120 pounds. I liked him, brother. I liked him. I'm looking at him going, that's, that's my guy. And Bobby is sitting like this, and these giants are all around him. And that guy, he's called the cox or the coxswain. And the coxswain is sitting like this, and he sees the goal. And all the other, the guys that are doing the heavy lifting, they're all looking at him. They can't see the goal. And so they got to trust him. And he, he gives them their orders. And he is like, and it's interesting how the author says, this guy's got to know every one of those in the boat. He's got to know the boat. He, he knows when he's got to encourage them. And he knows when he's got to get on them. And he gets on them. Six foot eight, you are not doing your job. You stink, man. Get with the program. Now, that guy could get out of that boat and just kill that coxswain, but he won't do it. You know why? Because he trusts him. Because he, he sees something that they don't, they don't see. And I thought to myself, if, God, if, if, a, if a university would take that much time and effort and money and hire a coach, and that coach would go out on recruiting trails, and man, they did. It was intense recruiting trails, and they would recruit their guy and put that guy just in the exact place, the boat number that he should be in and the coxswain where he is, in order to win, to win the national title and then to go on and win the Olympics. Then think about it like this. How much more does God, how much more does God love his church and save us and put us right in the boat where we need to be? We have gifts. We're, we're, we're different. And God says, I know what's best, and I'm going to put you where you need to be. Be humble, but here's what I want you to do. Use those gifts. And let me go through these quickly. He says, if you have the gift of prophecy, then prophesy. One writer says, this gift is communicating God's message in order to strengthen, encourage, and comfort the church. I, I believe it's more forth-telling than it is foretelling. But God can surely give a word of prophecy and say something that I have not planned on saying and, and say, speak this word and, and, and I will. But it's mostly preaching the word of God, teaching this, this book. 1 Corinthians 14, 3 says, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. And that's my job. That's my role. My four spiritual gifts are uh, prophecy, prophetic or teaching, preaching, serving, and leading. Now, I don't know what your gifts are, but those, those are mine. Now, he says, if you do this in verse 6, then do it in proportion to our faith. And what that means is that there is a faith. There's the body of Christ, and God has given us this, this faith. And we are to 
use it. One writer says, to be in right relationship to the body of truth that God has already revealed. And so my responsibility as a prophet, preacher, teacher of the Word of God is to be true to this book. Listen, I don't need to be creating anything. I don't need to be inventing anything. I just need to be proclaiming this. And and that's what God's called me to do. So if you're a preacher, prophet, preach it. Brothers, preach it. All right? Next. Verse 6, verse 7. Or ministry. There it is. Then let us use it in our ministry. Diakonia. These are servants. These are deacons. These are Tim Lindsay's and Stuart Smithson. Y'all been out in the parking lot cutting down trees. Was that you? That was you. And Tim Lindsay out cutting trees so that we're getting ready for company. And they stacked up all this wood and, and God bless their souls. They are ministering to the body of Christ. And I, unless you're on Facebook, I bet you none of y'all even realize that they did that. Bless their souls. They're using those gifts. If you teach, he said, he who is teaching... Then, then do it. Teach. You know, there's some wonderful ways you can utilize your gift of teaching at Great Hills, not just in the pulpit or connect group classes, but small groups, discipleship groups, ESL groups. You have the gift of teaching. Listen, God, God does gift some for the gift of teaching, and you ought to be teaching. You ought to be sharing the, the Word of God with the people of God, building them up and encouraging them. Let me, let me go quickly. Next is the spiritual gift of encouragement, parakaleo to call others beside, to speak a positive word. This is the gift of encouragement. You have a smile on your face. And I love to see you coming. I love to see you coming toward me because I know you always have a good word. Felix, God bless your soul. I see Felix coming. I'm like, a good word's coming. He's going to say something kind and something. It's just the gift of encouragement personified. And I see some of the others of you coming. And I run the other way. No, I'm just kidding. I don't. But I don't get as excited as when I see people like Felix coming, you know? And, and the spiritual gift of encouragement is all over him. Oh, let me say a good word for you. Ooh, it's a good word, Rick. Don't miss this. I don't have the spiritual gift of encouragement. Therefore, I have a right to be mean. There's a Greek word for that. Hogwash is the, is the Greek word for it. No, listen, just because you don't have the spiritual gift of giving or encouragement, exhortation, you have a responsibility to do it nonetheless. It may not be your wheelhouse. You may be more of the prophet. You may be more the person who does not have the spiritual gift of mercy, but you still should extend mercy. Listen, I'm not six foot eight, but I still like to play basketball. Are you with me? I still like to play basketball. I'm terrible at it. I am, Brother Zamora, but I like to, I like to give, it a, give it a shot. No pun intended. All right, let's keep going. Spiritual gift of giving, generosity. He says, if you give, then be generous. I'm telling you, there are some guys in our church, and I would not dare call their name, but God bless their souls. As we've come through some lean times, these men have stepped up and just basically kept us afloat. And I just want you to know, I praise God for those men. There's coming a day. Great Hills Baptist Church will not only be debt-free in four years, but we're going to have like $2 million sitting in the bank, okay? To be honest with you, I can't even imagine what that looks like because we've been for six years, we've been $9 million in debt when I arrived. It's like we're just chipping away and working away at it, and, and then it's hard, and yet there's these guys in our church, God bless them. They rise up, and they give, and they thank you. 
Thank you. Okay, I, I mean it. I appreciate it. The next one is the gift of leadership. He says, if you lead, then do it with spudo, speed, with eagerness. These guys and gals, you lead our church, and I want you to know I appreciate it. You have that spiritual gift of leadership. When you speak, people listen. People want to follow. You have fellowship. Thank you, Ken Farmer. I see you have this gift of leadership. He's the chairman of the deacons. It's a good thing he has the spiritual gift of leadership. He's the chairman of our deacons. The next one is the gift of mercy. If you have the gift of mercy, then do it. Serve, he says, with cheerfulness. Now, I want you to show you all something very interesting. In verse 8, it says, He who shows mercy with hilaritas is the Greek word. It's where we get the English word hilarity, hilarious. So if you have the gift of mercy, Paul is saying, make sure that you, you use that gift with cheerfulness because the people that I want you to help are already down. Don't make them down even further. Does that make sense? So be hilaritas about you. Have some, have some levity and some, some gaiety, some brightness about you, those who have that spiritual gift of mercy, and give mercy to those that God leads you to. Now, so far we've looked at the attitude, which is humility, and then at the actions, all these action items that God has given us as His church. And then again, this is not an exhaustive list. You can go to 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. You can go to Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 4. You see other gifts. But watch this. He closes this section with some words of advice. And, and I'm not going to be able to go through verse 21. I had to stop somewhere. And so I stopped at verse 13, and I think you'll know why in a moment. And by the way, all of these ethical injunctions, these imperatives... They're all in the present tense, which I think is very insightful. Paul is saying, every church and every generation until Jesus comes again. I've given you these gifts. Now, use them, present tense, habitually, ongoingly use them for the glory of God and the betterment of His church. He begins with love. He says, let agape sacrifice, that sacrificial kind of love, let it be in verse 9 without Hypocrisy. Don't be one way with one group and another way with another group. Hupikritos in Greek means a mask. It's a person who put on a mask and a play and he takes off the mask. And so the mask hides the real person. Paul says, don't do that. Jettison that mask. Be who you are. Don't be duplicitous. Don't be like Peter in Galatians when he was one way with one group, the Jews, and then he was another way with the non-Jews. Don't do that, Paul says. And, and, and you won't do that if you really love one another. If you really care for one another and you have that sacrificial agape kind of love, you will be the real deal and you will not play the part of a hypocrite. Verse 9, he says, Abhor, remove yourself from what is evil and be glued to that which is good. Verse 10, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. He's using the language of a family. And the reason he's doing that is because we are a family. We're the family of God. We're the family of God that meets in this place, right? It reminds me of something else Paul said in Philippians. He said, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. You know what that means. Don't do anything self for yourself and for, out of pride. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Love one another, care for one another, prefer one another. Okay, that's Philippians 2, 3. I'm going through my notes here. I've just got a lot of notes. I'm working through uh, having to edit and redact as I go. Just, just bear with me. So, okay, good. feel good about that. 
Verse 11, not lagging in diligence, but fervent in spirit serving the Lord. Do you know what the word there that he uses, serving the Lord, is the word doulos. The doulos means a slave. It's someone who takes the towel and he put, wraps it around his, his waist and he goes and washes feet. He serves others. And sometimes Jesus, he does stuff, y'all, just blows me away. And I'm so fascinated with him. I just love him. I worship him. But sometimes he just blows me away. He, he was telling the disciples one time, he says, you know, guys, look at it like this. There are people who sit at the table and then there are those who serve those who sit at the table, right? It's the same today. You go to a restaurant, you sit down, you're, you are, you're, you're it. And those people who come around you, they serve you. Jesus said, I'm not the guy that sits, I'm the guy that serves. I said, what? What is this? It just messed me up. I know it's in the Bible. It's like I've never seen it though. He said, y'all think it's all important, the guy that sits. He said, but I'm the person among you who serves. Wow. So when you think of it like that, how could we be proud? How could we be arrogant? How could we be mean-spirited if Jesus says, I'm the one who is serving you? Oh, I just got all over me. It messed, messed me up. Serving. When we serve God, we're most like God. Oh, here's my, here's the, here it is. Listen to this. All right, here it is. What in the world would our church look like if a bunch of us were Holy Spirit fired up slaves for Jesus who died to self and were always preferring others and helping meet the needs of others. Ooh, son. What would it look like? We'd be the church, be the church that God wants us to be. Some of you are like, but wait a minute. If I'm always preferring others and I'm always serving others, then who's going to serve me? Who's going who's to prefer me? Who's going to take care of me? And who's going to remember me? And my, my, my legacy and, and who I am and, and how many people need to serve me. Listen, here's, here's what I'm finding. Sometimes I feel like I'm just a babe in Christ. And I'm just learning stuff new every day. That if I obey God and if I'm humble and I just give myself to serve, God will take care of me. God will take care of me. God will reward me. God will honor me. God will elevate me. I don't need to worry about that. I just need to now, he's talking to the whole church. He says, don't lag in your diligence, but fervent in spirit. Zentos is, is the word there. Have that fiery, Holy Spirit-inspired service about you serving the Lord. Verse 12, rejoice in hope. I think that's interesting that he's telling the church, make sure you rejoice because there are going to be times you don't feel like rejoicing. And you're going to be saying, God, what in the world have you got me into? God, what, in the, what kind of church have you led me to? These are a bunch of crazy people around here, Lord. And God says, welcome to the family. Got you right where I want you to be so that you can be humble and that you can serve. And here's the thing. He says, rejoice in hope that all of this is for a purpose. We're rowing. We're swimming. We're together. We're on our way. We're on our way to glory. And the vehicle and the avenue by which God gets us to glory is his church. And listen, if, you don't, if you're not in a church, you're not part of a church or a member of a church, you're out of God's will. Because Jesus died for his church. Almost all the books of the New Testament, most of them anyhow, are written to churches. 
The church is, ooh, listen to this. While I've got some of you mad, let me just finish making you mad. The church is God's idea. And the reason he wants us to get in together and be together so he can shave off our arrogance and our pride and our warts and our freckles and our difficulties, and he can conform us and mold us more to the image of Christ so we look more like him. And you can't do that outside the church. You got to be in a church to do that. It's God's gymnasium. This is just wrecking some of your theology. Because a lot of our theology and ecclesiology is, what in the world? Church is about me. I go and look for a church that's going to meet all of my needs. And, and the children's program, they have to do exactly what I want them to do and the way I want them to do it. And the singing and the orchestra people got to play just like I want to play because that's what I'm looking for. And then you, buddy, you better get your act together because I'm watching you and I'm analyzing you and, and you better have it all together. I won't join your church. Listen, that's the wrong way to look at it. Listen, you're supposed to come to a church and say, God, is he preaching the book? Yes. Okay, that's good. God, this is your church. You're leading me here. I'm ready to serve you and get involved. That's totally different than the consumeristic, Americanized version of Christianity. Because we're all like, check, check, you're too short. I'm going to hold that against you. But if the children's ministry is really good, I'll, I'll let you go, home man. No, listen, listen. Oh, I got a good word. See if I can get it out. God may have brought you to us, and we're all messed up, because you're messed up. <laughs> and you don't know you're messed up. And He wants to shape you, and He wants to mold you so that you can be the child of God He wants you to be. And that cannot happen outside His church. You just can't. Doulos, you got that? Eternal perspective, it's verse 12. Now verse 13. Oh, mercy. Ah, continue in steadfastly in prayer. Don't, don't miss that. Mercy. Okay, verse 13 says, and this is kind of the radical thing i got to ask you all to help me with. Distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. So, distributing to the needs of the saints, think about it. The church, we exist to glorify God, worship God. We have a proper poor in spirit attitude, humble attitude. We have our gifts, and we're using them, watch this, for the glory of God, for the betterment of His church, the service of His church, and we help one another. We love one another. He says we distribute to the needs of the saints. Listen, guys, you're either a saint or you ain't, you know? And if you are a saint, if you're a child of God and you're a member of this church, then we are together to come together and we meet one another's needs and we help one another. I've got to tell you something, church. If y'all knew what I knew, you'd be a whole lot more impressed with your, with your church than you are. I'm, a, I'm on that little coxswain. I'm sitting in this boat and I get to see things that you don't get to see. I'm telling you, it would blow your mind if you knew some of the things that people do in this church to make this church operate. It's, but, the, you know, they're not on the, on the picture, you know, on the show, but... They, they make things happen, and they meet one another's needs. Glory to God in the hospital the other day, watching these two families, the Cantus and the Franco families. And man, they're having these incredible, difficult moments, and, and God so put them in the hospital that they're basically right in the same wing of the hospital. And, and, and one, 
She's going over here, she's ministering to the other one, and the other one's praying for over here, and I'm thinking, God, that was pretty cool. Thank you, God, for doing that. And there they are, members of Great Hills, and they're loving on one another. I'm talking in incredibly difficult moments here, physically. I got a call at 4 a.m. Monday morning. I knew it wasn't good. Whenever a pastor gets a call at 4 o'clock, it's not good. And so I throw my clothes on. I make it to the hospital. And this young lady's on death's door. I'm praying. We're praying. And then, praise God, two days later, she's sitting up talking to everybody. I'm like, what's up with that? And God says, that was me. Welcome to what I can do. You know, I'm like, woo, thank you. Thank you, Lord. So that's, we're ministering to the saints. We're loving on the saints. But watch this, watch this. And to the stranger. You say, I don't see stranger in verse 13. The, the Greek word is phileo xenos. Phileo xenos. Phileo is to love. The xenos is the stranger. So we got hagios. We got xenos in the house, all right? We got saints and strangers. Now, in a few days, we're going to have a bunch of strangers in the house. Y'all ready? This is going to be fun. It's going to mess some of you up. Some of y'all are on the stingy side. It's going to really mess you up. Some of you just ain't stingy. Okay, so here's what I want us to do. It's 12.03. We're good. It's good. It's good. Oh, we still got to take up the offering, though. That's really good because we need money. We do need money to, to finish strong and do all that. And thank you for giving. So starting next Sunday, my, my friend from Wales, Brother Reese, is going to preach for us Sunday morning. We're getting him here early. And you got to come. you got to listen to this guy. He pastors in Georgia, but Daniel, he don't sound like he's from Georgia. All right? He's from Wales. All right? God's favor and anointing is all over this guy. It's, it's fascinating to watch. So come listen to him. He'll preach in the morning, then he'll preach again that night. And then that night, and by the way, in the morning, Sunday morning, a week from today, there are going to be lots of people that you are not going to recognize because we're the host church for the state. And a lot of people say, well, I'm going to take Sunday off, and I'm going to go to the host church and just worship. Listen now, listen. listen Most of these people who are coming are pastors and wives. All right, right? They're pastors and wives. And a lot of them are just beaten, beaten up. Some of them are going to come to our church next week. and they're, they're, I know this, y'all. They tell me, they're like, I came and I was debating whether I was going to go back or not. That's who's coming to our church. Some of them are coming from little churches running about 50, and they're just getting eaten alive. And their wives are just being abused by the church. And they're coming to us. They're coming here. And they all come in like this, you know. And I, now, some of them are going to come from big old churches, and I know that. And, but listen, big old church pastors, they, they, need, they have needs too, okay? And so here's what I want you to so do. what are you asking me to do? Give them money? Yes. I am. Here's what, here's what I'd like for you to do. I want you to come as much as you can those three days. Now, two of us, or two of you, are going to give a bunch of money, and I appreciate that. Well, actually, three of us have contributed a, a large amount to help these pastors. But here's what I want you to do. Judy Stone, I'm just going to call you out, sister. I want you to help me. I want you to lead the way. I'm a member of Great Hills Baptist Church. Are you, are you a pastor? Yes, I am. And this is my wife. I just want you to know we're thrilled that you're here. 
And we praise God for you in here. And you give them a $100 bill. You say, well, I can't do that, okay? How about a 50? He said, can you keep going a little lower, brother? Students, I mean, listen, if you may have a dollar to your name. You meet one of these pastors, one of these wives, and just say, man, we're just so glad you're here. And here, go get a Coke. Or here, here's a $100 bill. And Judy, you need $300 bills because you need to come each day and give $300. I think that's, I think that's a word of knowledge God has given me to give you. <laughs> Are we all right? What if, what if we did this? You say, oh, my land, brother Daniel, what if I go up to a guy and I'm the fifth guy and he's already loaded up? Good, good. No, I'm serious. Church, let's just, I've had this happen to me. Preacher did this to me. I don't know if y'all knew that or not. Years and years ago, he did this very thing to me. I want us to do it to these pastors. When they come, just love on them. Just welcome to our church. You are a stranger in my church. We love you. And uh, here, go. here's a $20 gift card over here. Or here's something. And I want to give it to you. Church, listen, you don't know. You don't know. It might save that guy's ministry. Really, I'm serious. It just might save his ministry because some of those guys are coming. Listen, the first 400, we're giving them a gift bag. We're giving them books. We're giving them battery chargers. We're giving them water and whatever. So we're just going to bless as many of them as we can. But if y'all would just kind of float around and say, Spirit of the living God, lead me. Patrick, he may lead you to a pastor. And you say, Pastor, my pastor asked me to give you money. I don't have no money, but I want to pray for you. Can I pray for you? What if we did that, church? I think, I think it'd be awesome. I think it'd be awesome. Let's, let's do it. Just introduce yourself. Just say, are you a pastor? And they say, no, I'm not a pastor. And say, okay, well, God bless you. We're... <laughs> Do you need any money? No. No, no, I'm serious. Most of the guys that are coming, a lot of them will be here Sunday morning. A bunch of them will be here Sunday night, then Monday and Tuesday. Oh, I love you, church family. Maybe that's why they ask us to be the host church. I don't know. Maybe that's why. Nobody's asked me to do this, but maybe this is what the Spirit is leading us to do. So that when Tuesday night comes and we have that big celebration, big party, you know, praising God, Jeremy Camp, and everybody leaves, I promise you, I promise you, what they will remember more than anything is that you took a moment to love on them and just say, I'm a member of Great Hills. Welcome. God bless you. Let's do it. Father, thank you for our church. Thank you that you called us, God, to be that kind of people, to be a radiant church that goes out of our way, Lord, to love the stranger. And Lord, a bunch of those guys are coming. And Lord, I know, I, I, just, I just know in my heart there will be many who would just need to be encouraged, deeply encouraged. So would you use our body, God, our church? Lord, thank you, for, thank you for our church. Lord, I love our people. I just love, God, the way we're becoming more and more like you and poor in spirit and humble and using our gifts for the, for the body. And so I just, I just pray that you'd use us next week. And now today, Lord, I thank you for sending new people to us. And Lord, if there's somebody here today that needs to come on and jump in, be a part of us, then help them not delay. Lord, there may be somebody here today, surely there is somebody here today that was invited to our church. And they came, Lord, and they're like, well, this is, this is not a perfect church. This is not a, what I thought it was like. But, man, God is, God is messing with me. God is on me. God is telling me, this, this is yours. This, 
This is where I want you. And I want you to serve. And I want you to give. I want you to be happy. I want you to be sweet. And God, bring them. And let them get plugged in. And help them to help us. And help me to help them. Lord, for the person that's here today, God doesn't know you. Lord, they're missing out. They don't have the Holy Spirit living in them. They don't know. They don't know what they don't know. And God, I pray they would surrender. And they would say, God, forgive me of my sins. I want to be saved. And Jesus, come into my life. And Holy Spirit, come on in. And I pray, God, we get to disciple them. We get to baptize them. Thank you for those last week, Lord, for those two precious souls that we got to lead to you last week. And help us, Lord, to baptize them and help us to disciple them. Lord, would you speak to us in this invitation? God, just maybe you want to do something else, something creative, something different that it's not even on our radar. God, didn't. Put it on the people's hearts and give them the courage, God, to step out and do it. For this is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? God bless you. Let's sing. Let's sing to the Lord. Don't leave. Don't leave yet. We have our invitation. and We got people going to be here at the front. Go ahead and stand up. And we're going to sing. Brother Terry, lead us in a song, a song of invitation, even now.